Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Hello, everyone. Today, we're discussing the latest residential real estate data across the Vancouver region for January 2022. We focus on three key insights. The first being 2021's market dynamics spilled into January. Then we'll talk about the affordable detached homes are becoming increasingly scarce and population growth in BC and Metro Vancouver remains strong. My name is Justine Liu, a managing broker at Rennie, and joining me as always is Ryan Berlin, Rennie's Senior Economist and Director of Intelligence, and Ryan Wise, our Senior Analyst with our Intelligence Division. I am also excited to welcome Dal Millen, a Rennie advisor with over 15 years experience as an agent. Dal is also a recipient of numerous industry awards and accolades, including the Rennie Leaders Award. He is a Centrium member, and he's also a Medallion Club member, and the list goes on. He has experience in all areas of real estate and works primarily in the Fraser Valley region. Welcome, everyone. Hey, Justine. Thank you for having me. Hello. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. I'm super excited to have you all in the room um, or uh, on a online room as we are recording remotely today. <laughs> Great to have you guys here. So let's talk about the Super Bowl. How did you guys get the chance to tune in? <laughs> yeah, it was a great game. Um, I enjoyed the halftime show too. I think it uh, appeals to uh, a certain generation quite a bit. And my wife made fun of me, but I really like that like satellite image map they put on the field. Um, but that's probably just the nerd in me. That was cool. Yeah, we watched it with our kids who are seven and nine, and we tried to convince them that um, because we grew up with that music, we were super cool, but they weren't having any of it. <laughs> what was your take now? The halftime show was great. I, I thought it was uh, very entertaining. Um, the game itself was pretty good. I, I think the game was a lot closer than I expected. I, I thought Elliot was going to run through Cincinnati very quickly, but ended up being a pretty good game overall. Totally. Yeah. Great. I did not um, watch the game, but I did watch the halftime <laughs> show, and that's always kind of a highlight <laughs> for me. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So let's let's dive right in. 2021's market dynamics spilled into January. Total listings in Vancouver region rose for the first time in seven months. So my question is for Ryan Wise. We've been talking about falling listings, which, which seems like forever. Isn't this a, a good thing that the inventory for the inventory starved market? Um, I mean, yeah. So it is a positive. We saw inventory rise. So total listings rose about nine percent from from December. To January, so yeah, that is a good thing. But you know the, that uh, what we're talking about here is um, total listings rose to just over seventy three hundred, which is the second fewest total listings we've ever seen in this region. So like, yeah, they went up, but they went up to you know what would have been the record low prior to December. We've we've been talking for months about how you know before twenty twenty one total listings had never dropped below ninety five hundred. They've only ever been below ten thousand twice both times were decembers and here we are you know we're still at 7347 so so yeah it's a it's a positive at the margin but um our supply is still just extremely constrained um so this you know one month does not make a trend even if it is a little bit positive so there were there there were a fresh a fresh batch of new listings for potential buyers out there and some of those buyers did ultimately find homes so um sales were still elevated we we 
haven't seen sales drop off too much, even in the face of this ultra low inventory. So sales were down in January compared with January 2021, um, but they were still 32% above the long run average. So sales are still historically elevated in January, even in the face of this once again, ultra low inventory that we talk about every single month. So here we are just absolutely deep in the seller's market territory. Again, prices continue to rise at an incredibly rapid rate. Um, and, you know, there's really no no real change to the overall feel of the market, even if there were some, uh, a, you know, sort of a positive directional change when it comes to inventory. Um, so, Dal, I, I kind of want to ask you here, um, what are you seeing in, you know, in January? Did you have some, maybe some buyer clients who were able to find a, a new listing and find a place? Or is it, you know, just as competitive as it was in November and December? I, I think it's just as competitive. Uh, I think buyers are having a struggle uh, finding a home. Uh, I find in the lower price brackets, depending on where you are in the Fraser Valley, under 600,000, you're walking into 10 to 15 offers plus, half of them being subject free and all going significantly over asking. Um, I find the struggle for buyers nowadays also is, you know, seeing list prices on the MLS and then it, the, the actual sale prices not being anywhere remotely close. Uh, I think it's creating some confusion uh, to the buyers, especially for first time home buyers that are coming in. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, with inventory being so low, um, I, I think it continues to stay low because nothing seems to stay on the MLS longer than the four or five day period mark. Uh, and then it's removed. And even the ones that are showing active, I don't have an exact number, but I would guess 50% plus are already sold and they just have not registered. And that's where I find the biggest struggle is just lack of inventory. You know, we talk about interest rates being great. And we talk about uh, more inventory coming out. But at the end of the day, until our inventory rises significantly to match the demand, I, I think we're going to be stuck in this loop for quite a long time. So Dal, do you see, because of the lack of inventory, particularly of, particularly of detached homes and townhomes, are you seeing your client mix maybe on the buy side change a little bit? Do you see more people uh, settling for or participating in uh, the, the condo segment, uh, particularly in the south of Fraser market? Uh, yes, definitely. I mean, uh, especially when it comes to the single family market, you know, finding a home for somebody who's just entering the market, I, I think is next to impossible. I think the price points are just out of reach for most buyers coming into this market now. Um, I do see a lot of buyers going over towards the townhouse or condo market. And even the pre-sale market, um, some buyers are finding that to be a little bit less stressful. It, it is very difficult to secure a home, but once they do, they generally know the price points and they're not competing. Um, so it gives them some solace there. But I do find that I'm having less and less conversations with younger families talking about purchasing single family because I just do not think it's in their reach unless they're having help from family or previous holdings. Do you have um, any clients who would be like not investor, but a traditional owner occupier who's looking at pre-sale now saying, you know, I really just want to lock in today's prices and I'm willing to wait a couple of years for this product to be built just for the sake of finding something that works for me? Yes, definitely. You know, people seem to be planning a lot more uh, ahead now and that includes planning for their kids. Um, so, you know, if a project is five to seven years out, 
parents or potential purchasers are looking at it for their kids is securing them something because the market just continues to thrive in Vancouver. And the general consensus out there is they don't feel like that's going to change in a negative aspect. Um, so I, I'm finding a lot of, you know, age range of kind of the, the mid forties to early fifties that are having kids that are getting close to kind of that independent stage uh, are looking more towards the pre-sale market and setting them up in that sense, because to secure a single family home for them is just not realistic in this market. And the one good thing too, about the, um, the South of Fraser market in general, but, but specifically looking at pre-sale, um, there's a good mix, um, a, a relatively good inventory of uh, wood frame condos um, that are available through as pre-sale purchases. And then also townhomes as well. You see a heck of a lot more south of the Fraser than you do north of the Fraser. And typically the timelines, uh, the construction timelines are a lot less, obviously, than concrete high rises. So, you know, again, just back to your point, Dal, about the pre-sale market being an option increasingly for buyers who are, you know, fatigued, quite frankly, from emotionally exhausted from the um, from what's happening in resale. Um, yeah, with a little bit of if, if you're able to wait, you don't need to move somewhere tomorrow or in two months. Um, there are certainly certainly more options there. Uh, yes, definitely. I think, uh, like you said, there is a, a lot more options as far as wood frame, townhomes, uh, high rise in places like Surrey City Center. Um, so it gives potential purchasers different options at different price points to be able to enter the market. So this brings us into insight number two. The relatively affordable detached home is going the way of the dodo bird. So Ryan, what does this mean? So the dodo bird is uh, that infamous flightless bird from the island of Mauritius near Madagascar. Uh, I'd like to yeah. say that I remembered all those details, but in reality, Wikipedia helped me out there. <laughs> um, the dodo bird went extinct a long time ago. Okay, I'm not a historian. Um, but what we're seeing now is in in our current market, when we talked as part of insight number one about the desire for detached homes really outstripping the supply of them. And there's just a there's just a, 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 a an acute shortage, let's call it that, of detached homes in our market. And I think so that that traditional detached home, right? That's that's the home that many of us grew up in. I think many of us grew up thinking that we would also raise our families in that type of environment with the space, the indoor space, bedrooms for everyone, um, a yard that the kids can play in and that kind of thing. But the reality is for many years now, the the stock, the just the, the actual physical number of detached homes in this region has been declining. Now we're going to talk about census data as part of uh, insight number three, 2021 census data, the latest data from the census that we have on dwellings in this region by various their various forms is from the 2016 census. And when we look at that, that prior five-year period leading up to the 2016 census, so 2011 to 2016, every single municipality in Metro Vancouver, except for Maple Ridge, um, saw their, their stock of detached dwellings decline on a net basis. It's really interesting because we have seen over the past decade the construction of coach houses and laneway houses 
And in many cases, those are just pure additions to, there are a different kind of detached home for sure, but technically speaking, they are a detached home. But even with the emergence of that as a, as a building form, we're still overall seeing um, detached housing decline. There's just less and less, not available for sale. There's just less of, there are less of them out there. There are fewer detached homes. And it's not, it's, you know, traditionally, I think, been looked at as a city of Vancouver problem. But the data show that it's in every municipality except for Maple Ridge problem in this region, at least insofar as the 2016 census data are concerned. And we'll be able to look at that uh, later this year when the 2021 census data are out to see if that's continued. I, I think it has. I think it's a matter of how much has it to what extent has it continued. So the supply side is just really, really constrained. And then the demand side is on fire, right? And, and part of that has been stoked by COVID. And again, to use Ryan Wise's phrase, the chase for space, people looking for more indoor space, demise space, so that you're not on a simultaneous conference call with your spouse um, while your kid's watching a cartoon in the same room. And, and outdoor space too, right? So that the, the demand is there chasing a shrinking number of properties. And that is just pushing prices upwards everywhere, like really, really everywhere across the region to the point where, I mean, Dal, you can check me on this because you're, you're, you're on the ground talking to buyers, individual buyers and sellers. And I'm just looking at aggregate data and sort of operating at 10 to 30,000 feet. But, um, you know, even a year ago, one and a half million bucks for a detached home was, was seemed like a kind of benchmark. That you, you might think like plus or minus, you could find a one and a half million dollar detached home in this region, obviously, depending on the market. The reality is in the last few months, there have been more um, detached sales between one and a half and three million dollars than there have been under one and a half million dollars. So I think that threshold for even acquiring a detached home of any sort, any lot size, almost any condition is really, really moving up. Um, if we look at the the north of Fraser Market, so the Greater Vancouver Board area, let's say. Um, the most recent data for January, MLS data, show that um, detached sales under $1.5 million accounted for only 20%, roughly, of all detached sales. And what really astounded me, actually, was looking at the data for the Fraser Valley Board area, so the south of Fraser part of our market, where... 50% of the region's townhomes and 50% of the region's detached homes transact. There's a, you know, relatively speaking, a good supply of them there. Since November of last year, so for the past three months, there have also been more detached sales between one and a half and three million than there are less than one and a half million. So it really feels like, you know, we did speak about this as part of Insight One, but you know, I don't see any relief in sight on this front here. And I think that the the available inventory of detached homes at that, what is now the lower end of the price spectrum, even though it's unattainable for many people, you know, what's available there are, are, are those properties are going to, in many cases, have warts, right? Smaller lots, um, unrenovated, maybe need major repairs. Um, in some cases, they'd be teardowns. So, and just looking at that sort of um, that spatial comparison within the region, the south of Fraser versus north of Fraser, um, the difference in benchmark detached price now is only about four hundred thousand dollars. Now, I realize that's still a significant margin, but that has been decreasing over time. And I guess, Dal, for you, 
Is there any kind of movement now or a change in the dynamic in the south of Fraser Market, so Surrey, Langley, even you know Abbotsford, where detached homeowners who have seen significant gains, I mean, in some cases, like 40% over the past year in the equity they have in the, in the value of their home. Is anybody, are people tending to stay pat? Are they, are they downsizing now? Is that spurring people to downsize? Or, and this, this is what I'm particularly interested in, is anybody using that to move closer to the sort of historic core, like closer to downtown Vancouver, maybe in a different product type, but leveraging that increased value in their detached home? Um, I, I guess to start off with, as far as the single family market goes, uh, you know, to use one example in the Clayton area of Cloverdale, uh, me and Ryan talked about this earlier. Um, there is a home that just sold yesterday that crossed the $2 million mark. Um, from my understanding, it is off the MLS, but it is a standard 38 by 120 lot. Home is around 34, 500 square feet. The lot is around 4,000. Uh, the fact that it's crossed the 2 million threshold is uh, a sign of the unaffordability that is coming to the Fraser Valley as well. You know, these homes last year were probably, as you mentioned, probably selling around 1.3 to 1.4 range. So within a 12 month period, you know, a growth of that 60%. Um, uh, homes in, again, in Clayton in general are 1.5 and above now. Um, to answer your question, as far as where people are going, what they're doing, I'm finding a lot of single family homeowners are, at least in my experience with my clients, are staying put. Uh, the reason being is they still feel like the Vancouver market in the single family is out of reach for them, um, even though they have more equity to play with. Um, again, the chase for space is still there. So for somebody to come out of their single family home and to go into a attached townhome or a condo is doesn't seem to be appealing, at least to my clients. Um, I actually had a conversation with a client yesterday that said, hey, if this keeps going, we're going to talk in three months and I might just sell everything off and move back to Europe, uh, take my equity and run, essentially. Um, I think that conversation will happen more and more from the immigration side of things of people looking to probably sell, maybe downsize and maybe move back. Um, that could be an option for some buyers. And I've had that conversation probably three times this week alone, which is something I really didn't talk to my clients about before. Um, do you have, do you find you have a lot of clients who maybe would have thought about moving, but now they think, oh, I own that detached home in the Valley and I'd be a fool to give it up. So I'm going to stand pat, even if maybe it doesn't suit all my needs or, you know, I, maybe I do want to move a bit closer to the core or a bit further out closer to, you know, the cabin or something. But, you know, I have this piece of dirt and it's worth so much right now and I just don't want to give it up. Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, you know, the fear is of letting go something like that and not being able to come back in. Um, and, you know, the talk used to be, you know, let's move out further east, whether that's, you know, Aldergrove, Abbotsford, Chilliwack. But, you know, in all the growth, homes are selling at 1.4 and above. So, yes, you're getting more land, um, but you're getting an older home. You're even further out from the downtown core. So that appeal is no longer there. When the price point was different and there was a bigger gap, that conversation happened a lot more. Now I find it's either staying pat or going really far out east um, or, like I mentioned earlier, in some cases moving back to 
maybe a European country that you might have immigrated from before. So do you have a few clients who have sort of left Metro Vancouver uh, and they're working either remotely or, you know, they moved to the island or the interior, things like that? Uh, yes, I had a client actually move uh, about six months ago. Uh, they sold their home in Alder Grove for the 1-3 range and they ended up moving eight hours east to McBride, BC and bought 30 acres for 600000 give or take. Um, so I'm seeing that a little bit more moves from the Fraser Valley towards the greater Vancouver region. I'm not really seeing that um, because again, the fear for anybody who's living in the Fraser Valley is losing out and not being able to purchase what they want later on. So another area I wanted to kind of discuss or touch on is potentially looking at purchasing real estate before selling your current home, whether that's a condo, single family or a townhome. Uh, what I've rec been recommending to all my clients in the past probably six to nine months is to talk to a mortgage broker to get a pre-approval done, specifically if you can have bridge financing done. Um, what bridge financing is essentially is if you sell your home or purchase a home and then sell your home after you're not able to match up the dates, the bank can then bridge a loan for you until your home is sold so you can purchase your new home using the equity you have in your current home. What that gives you in this market, it gives you a little bit of peace knowing that you have somewhere to go. Um, and knowing that in this market, generally homes are selling fairly quickly and are going into multiple offers. So you do have a little bit more options, but you definitely have to do the homework beforehand. Have a talk with your clients and let them know what the pros and cons are, uh, what the potential risks are, and let the client make the decision themselves. But for me, it has been working really well. Um, as long as we do the homework ahead of time, I find my clients are a little bit more relaxed in this market, knowing that they already purchased something and now their home is going onto the market. And I find from a mental standpoint of the clients, I, I feel like they look at their current homes and investment and they are very open to making changes and doing staging uh, to further maximize their profit. Uh, which then allows them to have more money when they move into their new home. Um, so I, I've found that for me has worked really well in this market um, with everything that's going on with multiple offers and shortage of inventory. Uh, it's helped my clients navigate a little bit better through this market. So Dal, just touching on your point on bridge financing, um, is there usually a duration of time that the banks require um, you know, just for the bridging or is it, or have you been seeing uh, a kind of like a, you know, they'll do the bridging for three months or two months or what have you been seeing out there? I haven't seen anything longer than like 45 days. Uh, mm -hmm. Not to say the banks wouldn't do any longer. I just haven't been part of a process that has been any longer than that. And, and to be very honest, even though my clients have, you know, done the homework and had bridge financing pre-approved and all that in the last nine months, I probably, not probably, I can confidently say we only use that option once. I, I find in this market, you as a seller are able to kind of get the dates that you want and the time that you need in order to make your move. Um, mm -hmm. Being a seller's market, the sellers are definitely leveraging their position um, as much as they can. So that brings us to insight number three. BC continues to grow more quickly than its peers. Canada's population grew faster than all the other G7 countries between 2016 and 2021. 
And within Canada, BC was the third fastest growing province or territory. So my question for Ryan Berlin is how quickly is BC and Metro Vancouver growing and what does this mean for our housing market? Yeah, I mean, so yeah, it's interesting. Our little corner of the world here down in, in Metro Vancouver, um, we are a relatively quickly growing uh, region and a relatively quickly growing province and a relatively quickly growing country. I mean, you know, industrialized countries as Canada is are growing at a, an, a historically slow pace due to demographic change um, because huge proportions of um, first world populations um, are aging into the baby boomers, right? Who are between 55 and 75 now. Um, predictably, we've been getting older every single year, but we're now seeing that share of the population age 65 plus really start to shoot up across Europe, um, even in the United States, uh, here in Canada, and certainly in countries like Japan. And where it's exacerbated that aging of the population is where is when countries don't have significant inflows of international migrants. And that's really what separates Canada from the rest of the bunch. I mean, the U.S. is a country of immigrants as well. They get roughly a million immigrants every year. They're 10 times the size of Canada. And we get we get about a third of what they do. Right. So as a proportion of our population, we're very, very close to a one percent immigration rate, which is just about as high as you're going to find anywhere in, in on planet Earth, quite frankly. Um, and the reason that we encourage so much immigration, one is for the diversity that it brings. Practically speaking, it's it's we open the doors to people who can contribute to our economy. Largely, most of the um, international migrants to Canada are e in the economic class, um, and they are working, earning an income, buying goods and services, paying taxes. And so that in some, and they tend to be young, right? So immigrants tend to be, the typical immigrant is about 28 years old. And 60% um, of them are under the age of 40. So they're young, they're skilled, they're educated. Um, and, and that really is a boon to our economy. And so um, as a result of these elevated international migrant flows to Canada, we see the country and its provinces and its regions growing relatively quickly. But then within Canada, too, like Metro Vancouver um, is growing at, uh, between 2016 and 2021. So the last two census counts um, grew by just about seven and a half percent. We added 350,000 people. So we added about half of the size of the city of Vancouver to put that into perspective. Um, but the, yeah, you know, as you said, Justine, the third fastest growing jurisdiction in the country over that period. And not all of it is immigration. Domestic migration, as we've talked about many times on previous episodes of this podcast, um, has, has fueled BC's growth, um, particularly over the past two years. So not all of that would be even captured in the 2021 census count from May of last year. Um, but we have a lot of different sources of growth. People who are coming here because of the lifestyle, uh, because of the relatively strong labor market, um, the educational opportunities at the access to the Pacific Northwest and the West Coast of the U.S. and also Asia. So there's a lot of things going for us here. Um, within the region, growth ultimately depends upon where housing is being added. So there's a well-known uh, phrase 
from Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come, right? So when you apply it to housing, the idea is if you if you add housing, you know, people will 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 buy it, will rent it, will move into it. I tend to go the other way, and I think what's truer than that is if you don't build it, they won't come. And we see within the region the slowest growing municipalities like the Pitt Meadows, like the District of North Vancouver, like Port Moody, those three municipalities are adding the fewest homes or did between 2016 and 2021. And they were the slowest growing municipalities as well. In fact, Port Moody actually lost population. I think they lost 16 people. Is that right, Ryan? Yeah, negative 0%. <laughs> <laughs> so not a big change, but but no growth. And people go, hey, so what, right? There, there are a lot of so what's. I mean, the one that I often think about is as, as, as a homeowner, honestly, in the district of North Vancouver, I have little kids right now, but they won't be little forever. And, and at some point, they actually probably will move out. Um, but when they move out, if there aren't housing options in our neighborhood, in our in the district, they are going to be forced to move further afield. And so by not having those options, really, it, it creates challenges for families to live close together, for people to raise their family in the neighborhood in which they grew up. And so, you know, there, there's not necessarily a right or a wrong around this stuff, but there are some implications to not adding housing that we see manifest through through the census data. Um, and I think that as we look ahead, in fact, two days ago, the federal government just announced new immigration targets, new elevated immigration targets that would see 450,000 immigrants come to Canada in 2024. That would be the most we've ever seen. Vancouver gets 11% of Canada's immigrants. And if, if we're going to continue to attract those immigrants to contribute to our labor force, our tax base and all that stuff, we need to be adding the housing. And this just goes back to that whole issue of housing supply and underscores why it's it's so important. Yeah. So within Metro Vancouver, so Ryan was just talking about the, the municipalities and the jurisdictions that didn't really add a lot of people. Um, but those that did. Um, so uh, interesting note, Surrey is adding far more people than Vancouver, not even on a net percentage basis. Um, just Surrey added 50,000 people from the 2016 census to the 20. 21 census, whereas Vancouver only added 31,000. So the difference there, for every one person coming to the city of Vancouver, there's 1.6 going to Surrey. And um, even Langley outpaced on a percentage basis Surrey. So like Dal, I know you work a lot in the Fraser Valley. I, I'm sure you're seeing a lot of this population growth, people coming from other parts of Canada, people coming from overseas, they're coming to the valley, they're looking for housing. And I know it's a challenge like you talked about finding stuff. Do you think it is even more of a challenge for maybe these newcomers, you know, moving to this region and trying to, you know, figure out this local housing market? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the challenge for anybody coming in from the outside uh, into our market, understanding the rapid pace of not only growth uh, as far as pricing goes, but just the rapid speed that sales happen um, and the rapid speed that pricing is continuously growing. Uh, I, I find anybody coming from the outside in is really having a hard time understanding where the market is and where it potentially is going to go. And again, I'm finding more and more families just being either priced out to what they want and having to downsize or having to go further east to try to find something that fits their needs. Um, I just had personally a, a family of four purchase a, 
a one bedroom, 520 square foot condo in Willoughby because that's all they can afford. And yes, it's not going to be ideal for them as far as living goes, but they rather own than rent. And, and that was their only option. So I, I'm finding families are having to make more and more sacrifices in order to become homeowners, especially somebody who's new to Canada, like this couple was. Um, I don't know how this is going to change or how it's going to be fixed. In my opinion, until we raise inventory levels significantly higher and work around affordable housing and all those other initiatives that we always talk about, I just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel uh, for anybody who's trying to come into the market now. Yeah, and you know, not to be uh, a negative Nelly on this front, but I, I just think that the nature of our market from a political perspective, a geographic perspective, a topographical perspective, um, it isn't one that lends itself to um, having space. It, we aren't a Calgary. We're not a uh, municipality in the Golden Horseshoe um, in Ontario. And so I think our challenges are somewhat unique within a Canadian context. And I think the reason people are going to stay in this region or move to this region um, will have to do with things other than owning a big home or a big property. And, and, I, you know, I, and I don't say that flippantly. I, I think that we're going through a reckoning of expectations right now with our current generation, however you want to define that. But I really think this is the first time, I mean, take an age range, somewhere between 20 and 40, broad. Um, people who grew up, again, as we talked about earlier, in more space than probably their parents grew up in, their parents grew up in more space than their parents grew up in. And there was that expectation that that would continue. And I think this is the first time that people are sort of realizing, if I'm going to stay here, that may not be in the cards for me. And maybe owning isn't either. I mean, when I grew up, you know, outside of Toronto, if you rented, it was because you didn't have very much money, typically. But I think the whole note, the 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 whole the reason behind renting now, there's an allure to renting that didn't exist before, and there are, in some senses, there are more rental options. I mean, more recently than there have been in the past in locations that are quite desirable. So I think that also that there's a there's a changing um, perception of tenure ownership versus rental that's occurring as well. And I think um, we're just going through a period of, of changing expectations. Well, I 100% agree with that. I, I think the, the newer generations definitely have to adjust their expectations. I've been saying for a while, the, the dream of the white picket fence and the big yard is just not something that's going to be achievable for most people in, in our market. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Um, you know, we're losing all these detached homes, but that's because we're knocking them down so we can build uh, a lot of condos. Um, you know, we're not Calgary. We're a city that builds upward, not outward. So I think as, as much as we lament um, the loss of detached homes, it's important to recognize with the, the greater supply context that we're adding far more homes for all these people that are coming. And to, to your point, Dal, um, there's lots of amenities within the region and a lot of people are very happy in condos. You know, that being said, I think uh, in this market, there's definitely positives. Um, you know, I had a family very recently secure a condo. Um, yes, we have to go into multiple offers. And but at the end of the day, they were able to secure the home. You know, they love the location. 
They love the fact that they're homeowners. And I think for me being not only a, a real estate agent, but also, you know, a homeowner myself, a father of two, you know, I, I, I think the living in our city is something that's desired. And I think there is good reasons for that. You know, you talk about location, weather, what we have to offer as far as, you know, the city amenities, all those kind of things. And yes, it is sometimes hard to find a home in our city, but at the end of the day, it is worth the effort. And um, I, I think for anybody who's trying to come into the market, it's about being patient and being smart and just continuing to work with a industry professional like myself, you know, talk to a mortgage broker, have that in order before you start looking, um, you know, be smart and continue to stay positive. Yes, there will be times where you will lose multiple offers and it might happen multiple times, you know, but keep working with a professional and we'll continue to guide and, you know, keep working with you until we're able to find something for you and your family. Thank you, Dal. That's some really sound advice. I was actually just going to ask to see if you had any final thoughts for home buyers or home sellers, but I think you kind of covered it right there. Did you have any last things that you wanted to add? Yeah, I, I guess uh, final advice for anybody who is planning on coming into the market. Oh, I mean, in the same coin, if they're planning on selling and whether it's downsizing or upsizing, I, I think, again, it's very important to work with a professional that understands the market, understands what's going on. You know, I always say it is a team effort. So yes, hire yourself a real estate agent, but yes, also go find a mortgage broker. Find which lawyer you're going to be working with or a notary that's going to be doing your paperwork so you can get advice from that side as well. Um, in this market, I think you have to be smart, uh, you have to be sharp, and you have to be ready to, for lack of better words, pull the trigger when the time comes. Thank you, Dal. And if anybody has any questions or wants to reach out to you, is there a direct way that's the best way to get a hold of you? Yes, as I always say, my phone is always in my hand. <laughs> so, you know, you can reach me directly on my phone, which is 778-881-9021. Um, happy to answer any questions if somebody does reach out. Perfect. Thank you, Dal. And you can also find Dal on the Ready website as, to see his uh, realtor profile and his um, and reach out directly to him there as well. So this is a wrap for the episode uh, of the Rennie podcast. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out the latest Rennie review and our intelligence information on rennie.com slash intelligence. Be the first to receive this information straight to your inbox. Register for intelligence updates. Dal, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really a pleasure. I appreciate your time. And Ryan Berlin, Ryan Wise, always a pleasure. And uh, it's great and insightful conversation as always. Yeah, thanks. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us, Dal. Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Have a great day. The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production and is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on rennie.com. <laughs>